Day 6. Pray for... Oh Lord, goes the old song, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? Most of us would look away in embarrassment at such a suggestion. That's not what prayer is for, which is, of course, the point of the song. What sort of God do we think God is, anyway? But many people recognising that obvious danger swing the other way. They decide it's trivial, demeaning or even unspiritual to ask God for anything so small and specific. Wouldn't it be better, they suggest, simply to meditate on God and the world in the hope that this will somehow make things better? Well, such meditation might be a start, but supposing God being the sort of God he really is actually wants a more lively relationship, supposing he wants to enlist us as active participants in his projects, supposing he gives each of us, whether in gentle hints or with the megaphone treatment, the sense that he wants you right now to pray for this particular and very specific need, or even this particular and specific want. Does God only act in the world when there is a real need? God, the Creator, is, after all, lavish to the point of being a bit quirky. He made elephants and antelopes. He made chocolate and cauliflowers. As the hymn puts it, his hand flung stars into space. The true God is much more like one of the old unpredictable pagan gods who actually did things than he is like the tranquil, ethereal gods of the philosophers. After all, Jesus taught us to pray to God as to a loving father. If you ask your father for bread, Jesus said, is he going to give you a serpent? And Paul throws in a kind of whatever clause. Have no anxiety about anything, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And when you do that, Paul says, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Messiah Jesus. That's in Philippians chapter 4. The experience of trying this for a lifetime suggests three lessons here. First, most of us start off asking for inappropriate things, perhaps not a Mercedes-Benz, but certainly things we really want rather than need. But if we are also praising and thanking and saying sorry and thinking about how to use his gifts for his glory, then our priorities may well change. Some people overemphasize this and say that prayer changes us rather than God. Well, prayer does change us, certainly, but I think it's too glib to say that it has no effect on God. In the famous words of Archbishop William Temple, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. Perhaps second, this is because God frequently allows his friends to find themselves facing what seems like a brick wall, precisely so that they can pray their way through or round it. Then they will know that whatever it is they've been praying for, having thus gone through the impossibility barrier, is indeed God's will. There are many times when that will then serve as an anchor in days to come, when one might look back and say, were we really supposed to take this job? Did God really want us to live here? Yes, comes the answer, don't you remember? It was impossible. We prayed about it, and God did it. That is part of the adventure of normal Christian living. But third, we must always remember that one of the most specific and urgent prayers prayed by Jesus himself received the answer, no. 
In Gethsemane, Jesus sweated and wept drops of blood, pleading with his Father for some other way. We can only guess with fear and trembling what was in his mind and heart that terrible night. And his loving Father, with whom he had enjoyed unbroken fellowship throughout his life, insisted that there was no other way. If that was so for Jesus, it would be so for us. But it doesn't detract from Jesus' own promises about asking God for anything and everything. Once we realize how important all this is, we may well want to branch out. Prayer isn't just about us, our families, and our immediate concerns. Paul insists in 1 Timothy 2 that we ought to be praying for all people, for monarchs and rulers, for nations and governments. Make the newspaper part of your prayer diary, though watch out for its editorial bias. Pray particularly for the next generation of global leaders, both in the powerful countries and in the vulnerable ones. In the letter of James chapter 1, we find an insistence that we should pray for wisdom for ourselves, and presumably for others too. That's a good place to start. And so we pray. Give us, gracious Lord, an insight into what we really should be praying for, for ourselves, for others, for your world. Help us to persist in prayer and give us the joy of seeing your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen.